I remember those feelings of anxiety I used to feel every day I would wake up. Uh, like every single morning, I just wake up with this feeling. I hated it. That's why I created the safe system for anxiety over at quietbegins.com. If you're dealing with anxiety, it's time to find a better way to live. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello, this is Paul Coliani, and I want to help you increase your emotional intelligence, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and give you the tools to show up as your authentic self. This show consists of my personal opinions and is meant for informational purposes only. All right. Hello. How are you? Great to hear. Unless you said terrible. (laughs) But it's good to connect with you, and uh, if you are terrible, keep listening. I'm hoping that this episode will put you in a better mood or at least help you forget about any stresses or problems that you're having in your life. And uh, if you are having any stress or problem in your life, then I have many episodes that probably help you deal with it. In fact, if you've never been to my website, theoverwhelmedbrain.com, if you go there and click on all episodes, uh, I think it's a link right at the top, uh, you will have an option to search all of the descriptions for all those episodes. And in those descriptions, you're going to, going to find all the words that uh, you might be um, dealing with in your life, like anxiety, stress, depression, uh, divorce, marriage, uh, emotional abuse. Just type in a word or two, and you will likely find an episode that relates to what you're going through. So that can be really helpful. You know, I have a lot of people that reach out to me and ask me the question, have you ever done an episode on whatever, X, Y, Z. And uh, I even use that search field as uh, something that can be helpful to uh, find stuff that I've done in the past because I have eight years of material as of this recording. (laughs) So if you are looking for something that I may have talked about in the past, that's a great way to do it. Otherwise, what are we talking about today? I decided that uh, it would be a good idea to look at an old email that I received because there was something that I wanted to mention or talk about with this person who wrote and said, um, this is just a snippet of this email. person wrote, today I did deal with some verbal abuse. I replied back and I kept getting more of that in return. When it was done, I started blaming myself for standing up because it was a failure. I gave it my best try. There will be days like that, but as I said, baby steps, small steps at a time. And uh, like I said, there's more to that, but I wanted to read you that because what this person says in general uh, in the email and in this little snippet was that I stood up for myself, but it was a failure. So here's where I go with this. I think it's important to know that every time you stand up for yourself, even when it goes completely wrong, is a win. It is a success. You have accomplished something. I remember accomplishing something when I stood up for myself 
even though people got angry, even though it put um, or it made the situation weird. <laughs> I remember doing that at work several times. I remember starting it in my relationships standing up for myself. What's that about? I never did that in the past. And if you've never done it, it can be scary as hell to do it for the first time and even the second time and even the third time. And um, the context does seem to change the level of fear that you may feel when you do it. The context of family, for example. The first time I stood up for myself in a family situation, that was scary as hell that was scary and it was a win and there are people that uh, or at least one person that I know I haven't talked to her in a long time because it wasn't that I stood up to her it was that I stood up for myself and that is a huge differentiation that I want you to make I want you to understand that when you stand up for yourself it isn't being confrontational It isn't standing up to someone, although that could be the result. It is standing up for yourself. You may not need to be convinced of that, but I am telling you anyways, because if you have any doubt or any fear that kicks in while you think about standing up for yourself, remember it is standing up for yourself, not against them. Because you really can't control how people take that. You really can't control how people uh, process you standing up for yourself. They may take it as against you, but you are doing it for yourself. And when you stand up for yourself, people who love you, people who care about you, will be happy that you're doing that. If I'm overemphasizing, I'm sorry. I am trying to articulate how important this is to do this for yourself and how it is also important to remember that people who love and care about you want you to stand up for yourself because they want you to feel good and comfortable in your own skin. They want you to feel good. They want you to be happy. So every time you stand up for yourself, it's a win. Even when it goes completely wrong, it's a win. And every time you honor yourself, even when you lose people you care about, it's a win. Every time you follow the path that you believe is right for you, especially when others tell you you're going to fail, it's a win. These are all wins. The reason is because the decisions that you're making come from an empowered place inside you. The decisions aren't coming from fear. Yes, fear may be there. It may be part of the process. But the fear isn't dictating your decisions. You are making empowered decisions. Empowered decisions are ones that you make when you feel comfortable in your own skin and you feel self-protective, self-compassionate. You feel love for yourself you care about your results, you care about your outcomes, and it doesn't mean you don't care about other people's outcomes or results, it just means that you are doing things for you because you know they are right for you or you believe those decisions are right for you. And again, I'm gonna repeat this, people who love and care about you will support you 
caring about yourself, loving yourself, making decisions for yourself, honoring yourself, standing up for yourself. People who love and support you do that because they want you to be happy. The people who have a problem with you standing up for yourself or honoring yourself, they'll let you know it's a problem because they may be either dysfunctional in some way or toxic. Um, The only caveat here are people that maybe have um, inside information or more information for you that maybe they think you're on a dangerous path and they want to share that with you because they do care about you. But for the most part, what I'm talking about now are the people that don't want you to change because they prefer you the way you are. Those people don't necessarily have your best interest in mind. They have their own best interest in mind. They don't want you to be anyone else but the person they are used to having around them, especially if they're controlling in some way. There's many levels of control, but if they are controlling you in any way, if they are controlling of you in any way, then you changing might take away that control, especially if you're standing up for yourself. That would be like someone saying, please don't change because it's easier for me to control you when you are the way you are today. That that is disgusting. I mean, I'm just going to say it out loud. It's disgusting. When somebody says, no, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that because that's just wrong or you're going to fail. When somebody says that to me, I like to interpret their words uh, and say it in a way that they feel it and mean it inside. Because not everybody says what they mean and not everyone knows what they mean. They are just acting from fear. You know, they're making decisions based on fear. So if they see you changing or you wanting to honor yourself, it's going to change their uh, experience in the world. Part of their experience in the world is you showing up in a way that uh, works for them. You know, I'm talking about the more toxic people. There are some people that their experience of the world, uh, or at least part of it, is you showing up in a particular way that makes them feel comfortable or in control, which, again, might make them feel comfortable. If that changes for them, that takes control out of their hands. It makes them feel uncomfortable. They may not know what to do next because they're so used to you being a certain way. So when you decide to do something different, honor yourself, stand up for yourself, or change in some way, that means they'll have to change in some way. And uh, toxic people especially do not like change. They do not want things to change. They want you to be the same so that they can continue being who they are because that is how they feel the most comfortable in the world. That's great. We want people to feel comfortable, but we don't want them to do it at our, our expense. We don't want people to feel comfortable at our expense. We might want them to feel comfortable with us, but if we don't feel comfortable because of their presence then they may be a toxic influence in our lives. So where I'm going with this is that, in my opinion, it's always better to make empowered decisions. And if you've listened to the show a while, you've probably heard me ask this question, but an empowered decision 
comes from a question that you ask yourself, and that question is, uh, if I had absolutely no fear of the consequences, what would I do or say then? That's going to give you your empowered decision. That's going to tell you the most empowered path to take because you're in complete alignment with it. Empowerment comes from being in complete alignment with how you feel, how you think, and that lines up with the behavior or your next action steps. That is the most authentic you can be, is to answer that question, what would I do if I had absolutely no fear of the consequences? Uh, When you answer that question honestly and you follow through, what ends up happening is that you don't end up swallowing negativity, you don't end up taking old uh, fearful traumatic responses with you, you don't carry them around, you don't carry around um, regret, you don't carry around resentments, you don't carry around anger, well you might have some anger in there but it's a different type of anger, you don't carry around um, sadness, a lot of this stuff starts to go away because what you're doing is, well let me put it this way, when you stand up for yourself It's like telling yourself you're worth standing up for. When you honor yourself, it's like telling yourself you're worth honoring. Every time you follow the path that you believe is right for you, it's like telling yourself you're worth following and you're worth listening to. This is all about building your self-worth and building your self-esteem and maybe even rebuilding a crushed ego. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with having a higher self-worth, a higher self-esteem, because that is all about self-compassion, self-love, self-care, and doing what you believe is right for you, which keeps you in alignment with what you really want to do and say in your life. When you are in alignment with yourself, when you do things that you want to do, and you say things that you want to say, and you express yourself in an individual way, the way you feel most comfortable in your own skin, well, sometimes you feel uncomfortable doing this stuff, but it becomes more and more comfortable because you are expressing your authenticity. You are expressing your true self, your true nature. When you do that, life gets easier. Life also gets harder in other ways. I'm not going to tell you that this is all going to be, uh, what is it, rainbows and unicorns. I'm not going to say that. It's all perfect after that. But I've practiced this. I've done this over and over again in my life. I've stood up for myself. I've honored myself. And I come on the air and tell you the results of it. And every single time I've done it, again, that scary as hell moment, but I did it. And when I did it, I didn't have to carry any regret away from that situation. I didn't have to carry any of the thoughts of, oh darn, I should have said this or I should have done that because I showed up as the most authentic person I could be. And I'm not saying I don't pick my battles wisely. I'm not saying that I'm just going to honor myself no matter who it is. I don't care if they're the scariest person on earth. I'm not saying that at all. Sometimes you just have to avoid certain people because they're dangerous. Some are physically dangerous. Some are emotionally dangerous. And um, when they're dangerous and you know that it's just not worth having that interaction, then you might as well move on. You might as well just move on because you know it's not going to go anywhere. 
it's sort of like the people that I talk to that are in emotionally abusive relationships. Some people say, you know, I tried what you said, Paul. I asked them the question, do you realize you're hurting me? And they said no, but then they put it back on me and then I had to defend myself and then I spent the entire night feeling guilty because I believed I was at fault. And then I'll give them some more tools and they will tell me I tried those tools too and then I spent the night feeling guilty again because I believed it was my fault or they convinced me that I was doing something wrong. Uh, even though I feel like maybe I'm doing everything the right way, I mean, I'm following your advice and I'm trying as hard as I can, but I still go to bed every night feeling guilty and sad and maybe some anger, all these negative things, and I don't know how to stop it. So what do I do now? When I get asked that kind of question, sometimes there is absolutely nothing you can do because some people do not want to let go of their power over you. And that's how I see empowerment. Empowerment comes from no one having power over you. That doesn't mean you can't have someone that has some authority over you. There are authority figures out there and you can't just do everything you want and not get caught if you're doing something illegal. Uh, there are people out there that uh, know more than you. There are people that are stronger than you. There are people out there that might have power over you, but are they abusing you with that power? That's the difference, is that when you're in a relationship with someone, whether it's friend, family, or romantic, if they're abusing their power over you, now we have a problem. And some people will not let go of their power over you. And that's what I'm talking about here, is that sometimes you have to walk away from those people. You, you can't stick around people that don't want to lose their power over you. And no matter how many tools or techniques that I talk about here, or no matter how much therapy you get, or no matter how many books or videos or anything that you read or watch, they could give you every single tool in the book and it still doesn't work because the person that has the power over you doesn't want to lose it and they're doing everything they can to keep you uh, under control. And you don't want that. You don't want to live like that. That's no fun. I know you know this, but it, I want to emphasize it here because there are times where you just have to give up. And giving up can also be a win. I give up on this relationship. It's not working. But I feel so bad because I've put 20 years into it. I feel like I've wasted 20 years. No, you just ran a 20-year marathon and you won. You got out, if that's your path, if that's what you need to do. But never see a long-term investment into anything a failure. It's just a marathon until it's over. And when it's over, you have to make a decision to win or lose. People who have relationships with people that have power over them, and that power never shifts, it never becomes two individuals with their own power, and they support each other and care about each other, when you have a relationship where one person has power over the other and that never changes, that's a failure. When you get out of that type of relationship where someone does not want to give up their power no matter what you do, no matter how hard you work, it's a win. You won the marathon. You are a winner. You finally made it up that long hill. You crossed the finish line. You're a winner. People who make empowered decisions 
always win. So remember to always show yourself that you are worth standing up for, you're worth honoring, you're worth following, you're worth listening to, you're worth caring for, and you are lovable and important and deserve to be treated with kindness and respect. We'll be right back after this. So I introduced Best Fiends, that mobile app game you've probably heard me talk about before, and if not, this is your first time. I recommend Best Fiends because it is a casual mobile puzzle game that really fills in the gaps when you need something to do, or just while you're waiting in line, or in between your favorite TV show. Uh, But I introduced this game to my girlfriend um, maybe like six months ago, and uh, she started playing it uh, more than me. And uh, when she played it, she said, this is probably one of my favorite games. I love it. She kept telling me how much she loved it. And I said, you know, it's a great game. I can understand why you love it. And uh, then she started getting to levels that I hadn't seen yet and telling me about things that I didn't know about. So (laughs) I was impressed and I decided that I was going to try to get farther than her. (laughs) So we went back and forth. And uh, work took over, but um, she ended up actually taking a break. She said, you know what, I take a little break and not play it for a while. And that break lasted about, was it two or three days? And she said, "Uh, I'm back playing again, and now I'm 100 levels past you. I don't know if she was trying to trick me or not, saying that she was taking a break to make me take a break. I don't know. But she started playing again, then she told me how far she was, and I got jealous. So we are now trying to get farther and farther, trying to beat each other at the levels and seeing how far we can get. And uh, we're loving it. I tell you about it because it's a free download. It is very difficult to put down. And um, I'm so glad that there's a game that us grown-ups can play. And you know, with the holidays coming, it's a great time to play. You have time off and sometimes you're a little stressed and you just want to take a break and just do something fun. I want you to do something fun. Best Fiends has it all. An amazing storyline, collectible fiends, and a ton of fun puzzles. It might be the best puzzle game out there. So if you want to get farther than my girlfriend is currently, I think she's beaten her mom too. Uh, <laughs> download Best Fiends for free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. It's always a fresh challenge, and it's a great mental pick-me-up. Download it and start playing today. Best Fiends. And yes, I mentioned the holidays. It is November as I record this, November of 2021. And uh, sometimes the holidays are stressful. Sometimes they bring out, what would I call it, family dysfunction, family maybe toxicity. Maybe there are people that are in your life that are very difficult to deal with and it gets worse around the holidays. And if it does... Where do you go? Who do you talk to? How do you get this stuff out of your system when people are difficult in your life? You have this show, but it's just listening. How about interacting? How about talking to someone? How about someone that you can chat with or video call or have a real conversation with on the phone? Like the licensed professional counselors at BetterHelp Online Therapy. 
They are the second sponsor of today's episode, and like I said, they are an online therapy that offers video, phone, and live chat sessions with a therapist. I mean, you can access a professional therapist through this service without even having to leave a place that you feel comfortable, whether that's your home or your car. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. And because this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, the Overwhelmed Brain listeners get 10% off their first month if you go to betterhelp.com forward slash brain. That's two words, betterhelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com forward slash brain. They'll help you with depression, stress, holiday stress especially, anxiety, relationships, family conflicts, even LGBT matters, grief and self-esteem. That's what we're talking about today, self-esteem. If you feel like you need to work on yourself or through your self-esteem or anything that I've talked about today, BetterHelp is convenient, professional, and affordable. And check out the testimonials on their site. You'll be convinced. Go to BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash brain and join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash brain. Welcome back. I'm going to read you a message and give you my thoughts on it. This person wants to know if she is wrong. Am I wrong? And when I read it, I want you to have that question in mind. Is this person wrong for thinking the way she thinks? I think it's important to hear other people's stories to relate to, to think about, to access your inner therapist or your inner coach just so if you run into anything in your life that might be similar, you can tell if maybe you're going in the right direction or not. Sometimes we are so enmeshed and embroiled in our own stuff that we can't tell if what we're doing is the right thing. And this is just like I was talking about in the last segment. If you aren't in alignment with what you feel and what you think and you're doing things that aren't in alignment with those things, then what ends up happening is you stay in situations or you get into situations that are bad for you or toxic in some way or not healthy in some way. Not always, but it can happen. This is like having your guard down and keeping it down and not letting it back up to protect yourself. And protection doesn't always mean defensive. Protection can mean self-love. Protection can mean self-compassion, self-care, self-support, all those self-words I love to talk about. When you protect yourself, it doesn't mean that you have to go on the defensive or the offensive. It just means you care about yourself. You care about you. You love you. I asked a friend once, what do you feel when you look in the mirror and you say, I love you? She started crying. She started tearing up right away. I didn't ask her what the crying was about. I just asked her, how do you feel? What do you think when you look in the mirror and you say, I love you? Some people might think that's silly. I'm not going to look in the mirror and say, I love you. <laughs> but what happens when you do? Is it weird? Do you feel vain? 
do you feel like an egotistical weirdo? <laughs> it's going to be strange for some people, yes. It was strange for me. Oh, hello, I love you. <laughs> it's, it's strange. It is a strange thing. But there might be a block inside you that if you can't look in the mirror and say that, and at least, you know, for the first time, get past the weirdness of it, but if you can't do it, there might be a block inside you. And that block might be preventing you from taking care of yourself. That block might be what is the biggest obstacle that keeps you from making the next right decision for you. And if that block is in there, boy, we got to work through it. You know, we got to figure this out. We got to heal that. It might involve you going to the mirror again and trying to say, I love you, if you have trouble saying it. And when you finally get it out and you finally feel it in a positive way, maybe you've gotten past that block. That might sound silly to some people, but uh, this can happen to us. If we look in the mirror and we say, I love you or I care about you, or, I respect you, you are worthy. I mean, these sound like affirmations. I never talk about affirmations. But if you do this and you feel that negative block inside of you, like, I, I can't get those words out or I just don't feel like I'm in alignment with that it doesn't feel true then there might be something going on inside you that needs to be addressed and um, that's why it's important to listen to shows like this do the work you know whatever you need to do to make sure that you can get past that block and that block may just be uh, words that your parents told you or how someone treated you they they create these blocks inside of us that you know we personalize what happens to us we internalize it really we're internalizing what's happening to us emotionally and uh, it really affects us if your parents neglected you or one of your caretakers neglected you or they mistreated you if they called you stupid or weak or they made you have body image issues all of those might be blocks in your system and when you look in the mirror and you say, I love you, you are amazing. You know, you look in the mirror and you say something positive about yourself. That's like the ultimate challenge. How do I really feel about myself? Well, you know, if I can't get past I love you, what does that mean? That might be your question. What does it mean if I can't get past I love you? Can you like yourself? Hey, I like you. I think you're okay. What if that's a block? I'm blocked there too. You know, this is why I keep coming back week after week because I want to make sure you can look in the mirror and be proud of who you see. You might have done stuff in the past that you regret, that you know was wrong, or maybe you were told was wrong, but it wasn't, but you blame yourself. There's all this stuff that we carry around with us and we can't even look in the damn mirror and say, I like you. That's not right. I want you to start liking yourself. This is why I come here and tell you that it's okay to honor yourself, to stand up for yourself, because the more you do that, the more worthy you'll feel. The more worthy you feel, the better you feel inside so that you can go to the mirror and say something weird, <laughs> like, I love you, you're amazing, I can't wait to be with you today, I'm going to be with you all day and all night, so why don't we get along? Why don't we just enjoy each other's company? I swear I'm not trying to split your personality. 
I just want you to be comfortable in your own skin. So let me come back to this email and we're going to help this person find out if they're wrong. This person wrote, I've been with my husband for about a decade. There's always been an underlying control issue, which I was blind to in the early days. Uh, he disliked any of my male friendships. He distrusted other men, uh, as well as friends who were single or did not particularly like him. Demands for his needs, uh, name-calling and angry outbursts when he didn't get his way, making me think everything is my fault, just to name a few. I, quote, cheated on him a few years ago when I was convinced that I was going to leave him because of these behaviors. And I was tired of being micromanaged each time that I went out. His uh, drinking was excessive, and it has been an unspoken problem, leading to significant angry outbursts, drunken rants, blaming, shaming, name-calling, punching walls, mocking, demanding, threats to leave or divorce, even when I sit quietly and let him explode. During a time of excessive drinking, I developed a friendship with another man, which I kept secret for fear of my husband's explosion. It became a cyber-sexual relationship, and after a few months, my husband found out. It wasn't until he discovered this relationship and treated me like I owed him, sexually, verbally, emotionally, and physically, and that's when I realized how exhausted, underappreciated, and overworked I was. In a moment of empowerment and clarity, I brought my realizations and feelings from the prior 10 years to his attention, for which he took full credit and said he would change. As I recognized the abuse, I began working on myself and becoming more empowered. Weeks later, after another one of his explosions, I took responsibility for my cheating and for seeking things outside the relationship. I took responsibility for treating him with disrespect and attitude during arguments and for some other behaviors which I labeled as toxic. Regardless, he still needed to take control of his own behaviors, his drinking, and how he treated me. Less than a week later, he got angry and blamed me that I had dinner and drinks with two friends and that I didn't text him during my time out with him. When I say angry, he called up and hung up on me when I was out and then called many more times. He feels like he's in the twilight zone because I don't think I did anything wrong. He blames his behaviors on my history of cheating and says it's a circle where I get angry, you get attitude, I get angrier, you mess up. And I'm changing the curse words to friendlier words here. <laughs> I have moved into the guest room for space and clarity, as you suggested, which he is clearly not happy about. I'm in therapy since he found out about the cyber affair, but he refuses to go to therapy. My loaded question is, am I wrong? Am I wrong to feel empowered and demand respect even with my recent cheating. With my history of cheating and his abusive behaviors, am I wrong to still demand no controlling behaviors? And without his participation in therapy, how the hell is this fixable? Thank you so much, Paul. I have been very enlightened by you, and I appreciate any input that you may have into this confusing situation. Okay, thank you for sharing that. That is uh, quite the environment that you are in. I am sorry that you are going through this, and I appreciate your words. Thank you. I'm glad that I've been able to help you in some ways. In fact, uh, one thing you said was you moved out of your bedroom, and now you're in a separate room, uh, which you didn't like. That you know, I tell people that when they're in a toxic relationship or they're having trouble, it is sometimes helpful to get away from each other for a little bit, uh, even if it's just out of the bedroom, for two reasons. One 
if the person is doing bad behavior or being very hurtful, uh, that shows accountability for their behavior. It's like saying, if you hurt me again, I'm not going to sleep with you. If you continue hurting me, I'm going to sleep in the guest room. The second reason is, is when you're away from that which influences you, you get to think without the influence of the toxic element that used to be there. That doesn't happen overnight. That doesn't mean when you're in the next room, suddenly you can think clearly. It just gives you a little bit of reprieve away from the person so that you're not constantly in that toxic environment. So kudos to you for moving out of that room, taking a stand and doing something that benefits you, that empowers you, that gives you some space between you and the toxic element. Now, you did mention things that may have indicated that you have done bad behavior as well. Well, you said that you cheated. You had a cyber sexual affair. That to me is pretty much under the uh, definition of an emotional affair. Even if you're sending pictures and all that stuff, it's still uh, not touching. It's not physical. So it, it's probably just an emotional affair, and, and that's not minimizing it at all. An emotional affair can be just as bad as a physical affair because when your emotions are involved, you are taking energy away from the relationship and putting it towards someone else. Now, you did mention that you were on your way out of the relationship, at least I'm not sure if you're saying that you had multiple emotional affairs or if you had an actual physical affair, but I'm not even going to address that. I actually do address that on other episodes. I've talked about infidelity. I think my latest episode of Love and Abuse talks about the emotional affair. When you have any type of affair and you continue the relationship and the victim of that betrayal, your husband, for example, decides to stay in the relationship, then that means you probably want to work things out. Meaning your husband decided to stay and it sounds like he wanted to continue the relationship and try to work things out. In fact, he may have, like you said, taken responsibility for his behavior and realized that it drove you to do this other behavior with this other person because you weren't getting your emotional needs met and he decided that it was uh, fair, I guess. He decided that, okay, I did this, you did that. Let's not do these things anymore and let's come together and try to work things out. When that happens, when the victim of betrayal decides that they're willing to work things out, they're willing to get past this, there are two things that will occur. One, They have some healing to do. They probably have some anger around that. Um, This is all part of one. They probably have um, some thoughts about it that they want to express. And all that is valid and absolutely fair. You know, they're going to be upset that you broke the boundaries of the relationship. You went outside the relationship to get your emotional needs met. That is going to be on their mind, even though they weren't meeting your emotional needs. They weren't fulfilling you or they were absent or they were abusive. All of that is valid. I'm not minimizing any of that. I'm not invalidating it. I'm not telling you that you shouldn't have done it or should have done it. I'm not here to judge your behavior. I'm just looking at your question and how to answer this in a way that uh, makes the most sense, at least to me and hopefully to you. 
is that when you are in an abusive relationship, you might be driven to seek your emotional needs from someone else. And again, I highly recommend you listen to my latest episode of Love and Abuse, which talks about this. What is the title? It is called, Is an Emotional Affair Okay When You Can't Get Your Needs Met? And uh, you'll hear all my thoughts on that and what's going to happen if you decide to have an emotional affair. Really, one of the things that always happens is the truth comes out. I just gave away one of the bullet points of the episode. (laughs) But it's a good bullet point for what we're talking about here, is that when you have any type of affair, it will be found out. And even if I'm wrong about that, you're better off believing it will be found out. So that's part of this, is that when you have an affair, if you assume that it will be found out, then it will be more productive, let's say. So in this case, you're not getting your emotional needs met and you're even being emotionally abused. And so what do you do? You think your relationship's going to end, so you cheat. And maybe you get back together and he has these explosive rages and he gets angry and he's doing everything on the checklist for the assessment that I put in the mean workbook over at loveandabuse.com. He's actually doing all of the emotionally abusive behaviors, or a lot of them, that help you understand if you're going through an emotionally abusive relationship. And it's clear, you are going through, or you're in, an emotionally abusive relationship. And so what that does is present variables that aren't in a normal relationship. And so now we have to look at what behaviors are okay versus which aren't. So as I was starting to say earlier, the behaviors that he was doing are very emotionally abusive. It checks off every item that tells you what an emotionally abusive relationship is made of. He's doing all of those things. So he's being very hurtful in a lot of ways, and it's going to be damaging. It's going to be emotionally damaging to you, and it's going to be severely damaging to the relationship because you're not going to have your emotional needs met, and this is what happens. You will feel compelled to seek them elsewhere. And doing that in this type of relationship just presents more complexity, more difficulties in the relationship because now you not only have all this abusive behavior, but if and when you get caught in this affair, it gets even worse. It just explodes into something else. And I don't have to reiterate what you've already said here, but I'm going to answer your question. And I've kind of in a roundabout way prepared you for my answer by talking about how this relationship is full of emotionally abusive behavior. And because of that, your question, am I wrong to feel empowered and demand respect even with my recent cheating? The answer is, hell no, you're not wrong. Even if there is a moral dilemma with your cheating, it's still not wrong to feel empowered and demand respect. And the main reason I say that, the in fact, the only reason I say that is because he chose to stay in the relationship. And if he chose to stay in the relationship, then he has chosen to accept that what happened happened and he's willing to move past it and work on the relationship. But that does not give him the right to continue to abuse you. Doesn't give him the right because he stayed. He made the choice to stay. It's like saying, I don't like the fact that you have brown eyes. I I just don't like brown eyes. And I've never liked brown eyes. So I'm going to stay in this relationship and complain 
that you have brown eyes. It wasn't something that I really wanted anyway, but I decided to get into the relationship because everything else was great, but man, your brown eyes suck. Your brown eyes are annoying to me. I can't stand that you have brown eyes. Every day I wake up and when you open your eyes, I go, oh God, those brown eyes. I can't stand it. That's what it's like. You can't stay in the relationship with someone that uh, does something or has a feature or has qualities that you can't stand and you choose not to accept and you continue complaining about it and they really can't do anything about it. Just like, you know, you cheated. You admitted you cheated. You gave reasons that you felt like you need to get your emotional needs met. Those are all your reasons and... I'm not here to tell you if cheating is wrong or cheating in this situation is wrong. I'm here to tell you that if someone decides to stay with you after you've cheated, it does not give them the right to abuse you or hurt you. They could be angry about the cheating. You could go to therapy together. You go to couples counseling, whatever it takes, but no one has a right to hurt you. So it's the same thing with the brown eyes thing. If you have brown eyes and he can't stand it, then he shouldn't stay around and complain about it. He should say, you know, I got to honor myself because I don't want to be with somebody with brown eyes. It's a weird example, but let's go with it. I don't want to be with somebody with brown eyes. So instead of honoring myself and getting out of the relationship, I'm going to stay with you and complain about your brown eyes every day. The person with brown eyes is going to say, look, if you have a problem with my brown eyes, then you need to work that out in yourself and make a decision that works for you. But this is who I am. This is how I'm showing up. There's nothing I can do about it. And even if there was, would I do anything about it for you? Would I change that quality about myself for you? Now, I'm not comparing brown eyes to cheating and all that stuff. I'm just saying if someone chooses to stay in a relationship with another person that apparently they don't like or at least don't like qualities about, they either have to work that stuff out or become more accepting or get out of the relationship. But for somebody to stay and complain and abuse, that's an entirely different level. That's something that you shouldn't be exposed to. So no, you are not wrong to feel empowered and demand respect. You should be respected. If he can't respect you, then he shouldn't be there. It's not a relationship without respect. It's not a relationship without feeling like you can't be yourself. So, yes, if you cheated, that might be a problem, and you might have to work that out if he's willing to work that out. But it doesn't give him the right to hurt you. It doesn't give him the right to abuse you. You also asked the question, am I wrong to still demand no controlling behaviors? No, you're not wrong. You're absolutely 100% right that you should not be controlled. You should demand respect, like you said, and say, look, I want to be able to go out with my friends without having to text you. I need to know that you trust me. And if you don't trust me, just say, I don't trust you, but this is what I need from you. I don't want to be pestered. I don't want to be bothered. I don't want your jealous rages. I don't want you abusing me anymore. And again, this is complex because you've introduced infidelity into the equation. And when you have that, there will be healing that you need to do. And he definitely needs to do. And there will be a process that you need to go through. Definitely look up um, my article on infidelity. It tells you what that process is. Go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com, type in the word infidelity, and you'll see 
an article called Surviving Infidelity. And uh, when you read that, you're going to understand what that process is. Both people need to heal. And if both people want to work on the relationship and heal through it, there are going to be steps to that. And it's important that you both understand what those steps are and you give each other the space to take those steps. But it still comes back to if somebody decides to stay in the relationship, it doesn't give them a right to hurt you. And your final question is, and without his participation in therapy, how is this fixable? If he thinks there's nothing wrong with him and he's doing nothing wrong and he chooses not to seek help for what he's doing to you and how he's showing up, then it's not fixable. That's a huge leap in logic I just took, but if someone is unwilling to reflect on their own behavior and see what they're doing to harm the people they supposedly love, supposedly care about, and they're not connecting with empathy to realize they're hurting you, meaning what you feel I feel because I can put myself in your shoes and it hurts me to think about how much I hurt you. So there's a little bit of empathy and sympathy, but when you have somebody that accesses empathy and can feel the hurt they're doing to you and it bothers them, they may decide that they need to work on themselves. But if he chooses not to have empathy or he can't access empathy or he decides that there's nothing wrong with him and it's all you, it's not fixable. And it won't be because he's not going to seek help. And you have to look at what's happening today and assess the relationship today as if it would never, ever change from this point on. And all that means is you look at today and you say, if this relationship stayed this way from this point on and it never changed, would I stay? Would I stay in a relationship like this? Would I continue with this person who will absolutely never seek help and never think they're wrong and never think they're hurting me? Or would I stay with somebody like that? Would I stay with somebody that continues to hurt me like that, knowing that he'll never, ever change? And then when you get your answer, you have to take that answer as gospel because no one is their potential. No one is the person that they tell you they're going to be. They are the person they are showing up as today. That's how I look at things. And this is how I'm answering your question. And I hope what I have said to you today has helped. There are so many difficulties in a relationship like this. And when you introduce other things like infidelity and addiction and you're hurting each other and now you're back together, it's so complex that it's almost mind-blowing. I mean, who wants to deal with all these complexities? I know you don't want to deal with all these complexities. Relationships are not supposed to be this complex. They're not supposed to be this difficult. You should not have to be in a relationship this difficult. It's not worth it. I mean, how much time do you want to invest in something that you have to endure? How much time has to go by until you realize this isn't getting any better? And I'm not trying to encourage you to leave. I'm trying to encourage you to understand that relationships shouldn't be this difficult. And when they are, there has to be either accountability or, like you said, demanding respect. You should feel empowered and you should be encouraged 
by your romantic partner to feel empowered. You should be encouraged for your individuality. You should be encouraged to have friendships. Those friendships should be nurtured. Everything that you have told me is the classic definition of emotional abuse. So you are in it. You are deep in it. And from what you've told me, it's not changing and it won't. So there's my answer. I hope this helps and I really do wish you much strength and healing through this. And make sure that you look at your relationship with objectivity so that you can see what's really going on, find out if this relationship has been steadily improving or hasn't improved at all because the trend always speaks the truth. What's been happening will be what will happen continually. This is what you have to adopt. You have to adopt that understanding and that belief that what has happened will continue to happen. And you may feel compelled to reach out to someone else and get your emotional needs met because they're not getting met in this relationship from what I understand about your message. And we probably don't want to include more complexity into what is already a complex situation. Again, remember, relationships aren't supposed to be this complex. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. I wish you the best through this. I hope you're in a better space today since you've written this, but um, if you're not, I hope you got something from this today. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be right back with my thank yous and my goodbyes and my final words right after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank our two sponsors, BetterHelp and Best Fiends. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash brain and get 10% off your first month of online therapy. Fantastic service and a fantastic game, Best Fiends. Head over to the Apple App Store or Google Play and download Best Fiends for free today. I also want to thank our patrons. These are our financial backers of the show. Julie, Daisy, Deborah, Stephen, Jacqueline, Donald, Holly, Carol, and Brad. There's so many more people that I thank every week. Thank you so much for your financial support. These are what I call the patrons of the week. They have joined the patron program. Some have been in there for years. I know Stephen has been there for years, but I know there are many others that have been there for years too. So I want to thank each and every person that has joined the patron program to help support the show. And if you find value in the overwhelmed brain and you want to give back, head over to moretob.com and you'll have the option of joining the patron program and getting all the extras in there or giving a one-time donation. Totally up to you. moretob.com. Thank you, patrons. I appreciate each and every one of you. And if you're looking for a show on navigating the difficult relationship, I mentioned it earlier, head over to my other podcast, Love and Abuse, over at loveandabuse.com. On that show, I help you pinpoint the behaviors that are causing you to leave every conversation feeling bad. Not fun. Loveandabuse.com. And if you think you're the difficult person in the relationship, I created a program called Healed Being. It's not a podcast. It's a healing program where I send you lessons every few days that help you change your behavior. If you're difficult, if you think you're emotionally abusive or you've been called emotionally abusive, Healed Being has been life-changing for a lot of people. You know, I went through a process of that myself after my marriage ended and I realized 
all of the terrible behaviors that I've been doing in my relationships, I had to go through a healing process. And I share a lot of that on the air here and over at Love and Abuse. I'm very transparent about it. Not proud of my history at all, but I learned so much about how I treated others and how to heal from doing this bad behavior. I had so many emotional triggers. I had terrible coping skills, and I had to turn all that around, and that's what I share over at Healed Being. So if you think you're an emotional abuser and you want to change that behavior, go to healedbeing.com. And finally, thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And for those of you who haven't heard anything that I've talked about on infidelity before, let me just add this little piece of information that I didn't really talk about in the show. I prefer that if you are having feelings that you want to seek your emotional or even your physical needs outside of a romantic relationship, I lean toward at least separating or ending the relationship you're in first. And the main reason I ask you to do that, no matter what's going on in the relationship, whether it's an abuse situation or the person is emotionally disconnected or they're not providing anything to you, it's just a dead relationship. The main reason I say it is because seeking your emotional or physical needs from someone else, A, violates the original contract of the relationship, which I realize may have already been violated by the other person. And when that happens, then there really isn't a relationship anyway. But that's what happens is that you violate the original contract that you committed to with the other person so that there is an understanding that that's who you are showing up as. They may show up as a complete jerk, but who you show up as is the person you have to live with, is the person that you have to go home to, is the person that you have to look in the mirror I'm not judging infidelity. I'm not judging your reason if you've done it. I'm just saying that it does violate the boundaries of most relationship contracts. And all I mean by that is that when you get into a relationship and you're committed to each other, that presupposes a relationship contract that you will be with each other, unless you have an open relationship. And I'm not even talking about that. But committing to someone in a relationship assumes that you are committed to that person. So that's what I mean by that is that when you're in any type of relationship contract, you know, a committed relationship, then it leads to part two or B of my answer, which I've already said, adds to the complexity of the relationship and knowing that it will eventually be found out. And that is probably the most important part. If you are in a relationship where you're not getting your emotional or physical needs met, you might have thoughts about going outside the relationship and seeking someone else to fulfill those needs. But if you don't end the relationship or separate from the person that you're with first, part two of my answer is the difficulty and complexity that it introduces into the relationship. And if you already have a complex relationship, it will become more complex. And Like I said earlier, I talked all about this in that episode of Love and Abuse on emotional affairs and if you should have one or not. And I really dive into it over there, over at loveandabuse.com, if you're interested in that. But um, again, I've heard from so many people that have cheated and had their reasons, and some were no reasons at all. Some people have told me, I don't know why I did it. I was in a great relationship. I don't know why I did it. 
And other people have said, I've been abused. I was with a narcissist and he wouldn't stop. He was relentless and I couldn't get out of the relationship and I had no other choice and I just felt alone. So I, I needed to seek someone. So that's why I don't judge infidelity. I mean, it's difficult to look at someone else's relationship and say, well, you cheated. That means you're a bad person. I mean, there's so many other variables. It's really not fair to say that about anyone. And that's their issue anyway. That's not your issue. That's their issue. They have to work that out. They have to figure it out. And if they decide to work on it and get through it together, then, like I said earlier, it doesn't give anyone the right to hurt each other after that. There may be pain. There may be suffering. There may be um, guilt. There may be shame. There may be other things. But it's not a fertile ground for abuse. It's not supposed to be that way. Because if somebody has been cheated on and they stay in the relationship, well, you cheated on me, so I get to hurt you now. It doesn't give them the permission. If, if they're hurt and they can't get past it and they can't heal through it and they can't work on it with their partner, then maybe they shouldn't be in that relationship. They should just get out of that relationship because a relationship is supposed to be about loving and caring and supporting each other. And when there's infidelity, if you choose to work on it, if you choose to work through it, then you have some work to do. But again no excuse for abuse. And of course, I don't want to leave out those who have been betrayed and have experienced what I call emotional murder. When you're in a relationship and someone betrays your trust and seeks their needs outside the relationship and you're left in the dark and your heart is crushed, it feels like your emotions are being murdered. It feels like the worst feeling in the world because you are in the situation where you thought that you could trust this person and they wouldn't do anything to betray that trust and you don't want to have to feel insecure you want to be able to trust your partner so much that you don't even have to think about them cheating on you it's not even on the radar so when it happens it feels soul crushing it's just terrible so i know there is a whole other side of infidelity and cheating and i might have to do another episode in the future but um i do have like i said an article that uh, is very popular. If you go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com and type in infidelity in the search field, uh, if you've ever been cheated on or if you've ever cheated, it talks about both sides and what you can do to heal, whether you stay together or separate. But it addresses every angle. And uh, if you've ever been cheated on or you've been the cheater, you're going to resonate with it. And it may be helpful. So check it out. But I'm going to end this on a positive note. I want you to keep an open mind so that you can step into your power and create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And I especially want you to be able to look in the mirror and say something that I absolutely know to be true about you. You are amazing.
Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.